Welcome along to the Wise Men Say podcast in what is possibly a penultimate one of the season, do we think? Depends on the result, doesn't it, coming up? Because we have a second leg game against Portsmouth. In the playoffs, we won 1-0, so we're going to talk about that. And we're going to talk about that uh, second leg at Fratton Park, um, which is going to be like a Galatasaray game or a, or a derby from over that part of the world, by the way, their fans are going on. Um, well, they're going to throw small, small bombs at everybody like other. Well, you probably see it, won't you? Aggressive um, bell bringing. Yeah. Joined us, that was Michael Love, joining myself and Gareth. We've also got Phil Smith from the Sunderland Echo. And we're just going to wrap it on for half an hour or so about the two games. Does that sound good to everyone? Yep. Yeah, I asked you guys, uh, Phil and Mick, on, on the way in, um, if you were quietly, if you will, if you were confident for the for the upcoming game. So we'll, we'll get on to that. But I want to firstly look back at the Portsmouth of game, then build up to the game firstly. Thoughts on that, generally? It was extremely low-key. I mean, around the ground before the game, even walking over to the stadium, it kind of felt like an end-of-season game where there wasn't a lot riding on it. But I think once you got inside the ground and you saw the display again, which was very impressive, and they got the atmosphere up again, and as soon as the first whistle went, I think that you saw that the people who did go along to the game really made themselves heard and created a great atmosphere, which the players obviously fed off. What was your opinion, Phil, The way, um, leading up to the of the game maybe the, the the lack of noise coming from the club in particular well I think that I think from the club's part I think there was probably a recognition that the end the end of the season had been bitterly disappointment and probably a, an opinion and it wasn't really out the time to go out and ask people to dig deep and put their hands in the pocket and ask for the support again because that's happened a lot this season I think for both clubs there was a, a massive fatigue going into that game you know obviously Portsmouth only brought 1300 up which is about a third, I think, of what they brought up for the, the when they'd been there a couple of weeks previous. I think it just reflected the fact that both teams are absolutely sick of the sight of each other. Um, I think both fans are probably sick of the sight of each other. And I think it was just a recognition of that. But once the game, you know, the, the atmosphere itself was fantastic. I thought the atmosphere, although the attendance was one of the lowest of the season, particularly in the second half, I thought the atmosphere was one of the best. And it just goes to show it's, you know, it's not always about your gate, it's about the mood of the people who turn up. And I thought there was a a good patience from the people who went, not sort of getting restless when there wasn't a lot happening because it was always going to be that way. And then when Sunderland kind of picked up in the second half, I thought I thought it was fantastic, to be fair. I thought the atmosphere was good. Crowd was low. Not going to go on about it. Disappointing, though. Anything to say on that, Gareth? Yeah, I mean, we obviously tried to support the, some of the other fan sites wrote a report and ALS. And to encourage people try and just, rather you know, than slag people off. We didn't do any of that. Nah, if, if it wasn't ever our attention, I hope it came across that way there. So criticise people who couldn't go to the game or whatever. You didn't, just, just didn't even call anybody a poor fan or anything yeah, like I that. I think it's just a case if it was, you know, you, you'd felt as though it was flat and like Phil says, maybe the, the ownership were a bit sort of on eggshells, maybe didn't want to say anything. My personal opinion is that they should. I yeah. think if you if you if you're cranking it up to 11 all season, like trying to get people to rally people around and then before the biggest game of the season, you're kind of not vocal. It does look a little bit odd um but like you say i understand the reason that that'll be probably the reason why as you as you said phil but at the same time i, I wouldn't be bothered um personally um i just think a lot of people who didn't go were probably at 60 40 whether to go and i know in theory you shouldn't need motivating to go and watch Sunderland play in the playoffs but we've said it many times before Sunderland have around 24,000 hardcore loyal fans 
Then we've got about the same again, who are, I would say, possibly more casual fans who would be influenced by a campaign, who could be persuaded to go to the game. And if they're at 60-40 and there was a buzz and an excitement created before the game, I would suggest a few more thousand would have went. But I don't want to go on about yeah. that too I mean, much. It's like, like it's, yeah, it is. And the atmosphere was good. And, it was great. Best um, of the season, probably. And I think the, you know, the second half, they really got behind them. I thought, you know, the first half was two teams cancelling each other out and second half we showed our quality I think um, that last, we last thing on the atmosphere before that obviously I sit in the north stand this was the first time I would say I know the flag displays have been impressive the last couple of league games as well this was the first game I would say that the, and I'll call it the Roker end now and not the south stand because this was the first game where that stand stood out to me from the other end of the ground as if you said yeah that's got its own identity now and that looks like an end which is different from the rest of the stadium and and fair play to that because it really came across where it doesn't always the atmosphere doesn't always carry across the stadium considering the gate as well makes it even more impressive so I just wanted to say that I think it was the first time as well that I saw other parts of the stadium really trying to contribute to the atmosphere as well particularly after Maguire's goal I saw people in the west end the north stand standing up and joined in with a chance which was great to see and I think we talked on Friday about the noise levels when Maguire's shot hit the back of the net it's one of the loudest I've heard the stadium in yeah. a very long time mm. it's up there that goal isn't it it's that one we're going to talk about strike, for years yeah. isn't it when you think about some of those goals I mean some of the well you might if we win on Thursday yeah, but or, so, so, or, get through, yeah. or get through the whole thing even, even still I mean you know the the build up to this we were trying to show some of the famous goals at the stadium of like like I say it might be the, the fame might be dictated on whether we get through or not, but that's that's a moment I think Sunderland fans will remember that one. And he's capable of that, Phil, isn't he? Yeah, I think he, he you could just see him when he when he gets into the game and he gets a little bit of response off the opposition players and he knows he's nailed them a little bit. You just see his levels go up and it's I think the thing about Maguire is he, it's it's his intelligence as much as anything. You watch that goal back and the way he reads the game is just so good the way he drops into that little pocket of space on the edge of the area because he knows that whoever wins that first ball, it's going to drop into that place. And obviously the execution of the, the volley is absolutely fantastic. But for me, it's just that little awareness to drop into that dangerous area. And, and I think that's something that someone massively miss when, when he's not there, because we always talk about it. But when he doesn't play, there isn't anyone who's a natural number 10 and who has that really good kind of instinctive awareness of what attacking positions to get into and where he can pick up the ball. And there's nobody in the squad who, who can do that like he does. If you, look, if you look at his body shape for the goal and... The one against Luton, very similar, the way he kind of gets himself ready to strike the ball in that, like, I know against Luton, it kind of pinged out to him again. He, it was a half volley against Luton, wasn't it, into the corner. Um, into sim it's quite similar. Obviously, he's a bit more spectacular, this one. But his body shape and the way he adjusted, he had loads to do, like when he watched it back. And, you know, his anticipation, getting into that area. And then, you know, as the ball was dropping, the way he just his body took a couple of steps back and... You know, he made it look easy, and it wasn't easy at all. Um, and it was emphatic, wasn't it? Really, mm -hmm. and you know, it was. I think it's great to have. You know, one of your, you know, sort of main players. Really, you know, in terms of, yeah, he's been hot and cold, but he's somebody people in like. You know, and he, he's kind of like one of the main men, and him to stand up in that game after coming on as a substitute um, yeah I guess there's an argument we had about whether he would 
have made the same impact if he started Phil I mean a lot of people before the game Stephen Elliott former Sunderland player of course uh, wise men say regular um, was saying he would have started Maguire leading up he said I'll, I'll play um, kind of all power midfield Maguire ahead a lot of people agreed with that yet it always seemed likely didn't it that Catamol and Power were going to be the base and Honeyman was going to be the one floating ahead of them yeah I mean I agreed we, when I was on here last week I said that I would pref- always prefer to see Maguire start a game like that but I think at the moment clearly Jack Ross feels he's not able to sustain it for 90 minutes certainly not going into the game last week and what I would say about Chris is we were just talking about there the intelligence of his movement he is really really dangerous playing against tiring players I think because you can, when the opposition midfield and defence is just starting to fatigue a little bit and they're just starting to be a little bit sluggish in their movement, he seems to really enjoy that. That's when he seems to really come alive and start drifting into re- really dangerous areas. So it's one of those where you can look at it and say, well, you should have started the game, or you can look at it and say, well, it's the perfect execution of the substitution because they've waited for yeah. the right moment, brought him on, he's made an impact, and he's almost scored twice. I'd be stunned if he didn't start on Thursday yeah. night. Absolutely stunned. But I do understand why he made that decision, and certainly in terms of once McGeady drops out, I imagine then as a manager, your thought process is you want to keep your game plan and your setup as close as you possibly can to what it was before and probably Gooch being a more natural wide player, bringing Morgan over to the left. He had his best game in ages, Gooch, didn't he? He did, but yeah. I think, um, you know, now it's it's quite a difficult one for Jack Ross because like you say, he's kind of, he would argue, you know, well, it worked. But now, like you say, kind of he has to start really because if he doesn't start in the game and it doesn't go well, it'll just be why didn't he start Maguire after what he did the other night and that's going to be you know that's a, that's a tough call that is because he's got to make that decision and if, if he drops if he doesn't start Maguire and it goes wrong then he will get absolutely battered I think it. I think he will start I'm sure he'll come to it but he has now got another attacking option from the bench for, for Thursday more? night and what more so I think that might change his mm. might change his thinking because he might feel like now he can he can get Maguire on from the start I feel as though with Aidan McGeady's absence, we do need a big game player and somebody who is willing to pick up the game by the scruff of the neck. But I also feel as though Maguire's inclusion would make sense on Thursday, purely from a ball retention point of view, because I think you pointed out walking over, Stephen, that Portsmouth are going to come at us early on You'd think Thursday, so, yeah. You? And I just think Maguire, as um, Phil pointed out earlier, he's a very good link man between the midfield and the attack. And I just feel as though um, Charlie White might be slightly isolated if we obviously we, we obviously can't play four four two, so we need to get somebody close to Charlie White and get in the round and as I say linking that play and I think Maguire's absolutely ideal to do that. He's also really good at doing things like falling over. Within three kicks, yeah. Yeah. And, and their players are on happy with him and yeah, they're gonna and no, the fans absolutely. are gonna be on his case. He's yeah. gonna he's gonna love a bit of that. Oh yeah, he? absolutely. I mean you mentioned there, Mick, that um yes, I think White was isolated, certainly before Maguire come on. Um, and that will come into Jack Ross's thinking, but I, I wouldn't say a game plan as such. But I do think that Jack Ross would have been aware of that. But he preferred for our midfield to squeeze them out of the game a little bit. And we didn't let them play, and we didn't let them bully us. And I think he tried to squeeze the life out of the game, and that was why we saw a slow start. And I think after twenty minutes, our players started growing confidence and thought, you know what, they are, these aren't very good. And we started to control the game after that. I thought. Yeah, I think it was important on Saturday. I know this might sound a bit negative, but we needed a base to build on on Saturday, given the form we've been in. I know Portsmouth haven't been in great form, but with a lack of confidence around the club going into the game, as I say, we needed to earn the right. And the last thing we could have afforded to do on Saturday is to concede an early goal. 
and that obviously explains why the game was so cagey in the first half but it was essential that we came through that first half unscathed and then I think that did give us a platform to go on the second half and give a much improved performance I think if you look at it as well you know and if you statistically we tend to score in every game I mean we have, we only have, we didn't score in the, once, we, yeah. we didn't in the league it's only Barnsley and then yeah. it was the Stoke under 21 game we drew 0-0 in the checker trade and we got beaten 1-0 by Walsall in the in the cup, so there's only three games we haven't scored in in 60 this season. Sheffield Wednesday as well. Oh yeah, sorry, yeah, so four. So you'd expect us to score. Now psychologically, Portsmouth then know well we've got to score three to win the game in 90 minutes. Um, obviously over 120, they could if they were two if they won the game two one, but that gives you a bit of confidence as well, doesn't it? Knowing now, and obviously you know we we might not score, but you would expect us to score because mm. we score. I hate away, most I hate, games. I hate the away goals rule, but I really wish it was in. I really wish uh, <laughs> yeah. it, 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 it was yeah. the away goal rule. Now um, it was the best rule ever against Man United in twenty fourteen, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Yeah, <laughs> it was. Definitely, our keeper didn't have a save to make. The, mm. They hit the ball with a free kick. Yeah. Do they have anything to make? Like, not, you know, a couple of grass cutters maybe, but nothing... Yeah, nothing really. You wouldn't expect yeah. them... Not I mean, it's been the case probably for, you know, for a few games against some of the better teams. I can't barely remember Portsmouth putting them under pressure in the in the 1-1 draw. I know you made the point often, Stephen, that your goalkeeper is there to make good saves and your goalkeeper is there to be authoritative. And I think especially after last season, we maybe have a lower expectation of goalkeepers given how bad they are. But I think McLaughlin, what he did do well the other night, he just did the basic things really well. So coming and taking crosses and kind of, and as I say, just doing the simple things. But you don't realise how much of an impact that does have on the defence when you've got such a confidence and reliance upon your goalkeeper. It's just a world like a world away from where we were this time twelve months ago. Opinions on the back four, Phil? I thought I thought they played really well. To be fair, um, I thought Oviedo had his. I'm not sure about his best game of the season. One of his best games. Best season, game in, in since Christmas, which which just frustrates me because he should be doing that every week. And as I've as I've said before, it shouldn't even be a discussion about him. But it's a boost to see him play that well and have such control because I think Jamal Lowe is one of the best players in the league and didn't really give him anything to go at, but also contributed at the other end with some really good crosses. Luto nine very steady, um, and I thought. Tom Flanagan, I thought, you know, if we're talking about an edginess in the first half, I thought he probably embodied that because it was kind of some pretty poor um, passes, a couple that went into touch, not very precise. But then the second half, I thought he was excellent. And Aleem just continues to impress, really. Um, mm. We all know he's never going to be the quickest defender. He's never going to be the most sort of controlled defender because he hasn't got that pace. But he doesn't really get beaten that often. He's now making decent decisions on the ball. Without wanting to jinx it. Portsmouth are a good team for him to play against because he, he he seems to thrive on the physical yeah. well, as, aspect of the you game. Know, if, if we look at it, I mean, Ollie Hawkins is a perfect example of that because in the at Fratton Park when Sunderland had a place sent off and then at the second half Wembley when he came off the bench, he was an absolute nightmare. The last two games, like, he, he's been completely anonymous and Portsmouth haven't been able to get up the pitch because he hasn't he hasn't given them an outlet and I think you have to say that Ozturks have been a, a massive factor in you that. Just got a, the only thing I would say is in that atmosphere, you know, whatever it's going to be apparently, um, if he's putting his hands on people in the box, he's got to be careful. You know, he, he is a bit more handy than the other defenders. This is interesting got. because um, and I just, I just think ref- like, referees you know, build a profile of a player, don't they? Yeah. And the referee who sent Oz Turk off, which obviously has been rescinded, we all know that it wasn't a red card. 
the Portsmouth manager and uh, player Evan said it was a red card. Nobody else did that I, that I know Kenny of. Kenny um, Now, interestingly, the referee was the same referee who refereed Doncaster game at home when we won 2-0. And referees will look back on their performances like players do. And the commentators in particular were very vocal on that game whether that Ozturk might have got away with a couple, if you remember, against Doncaster. And I'm sure it's subconscious. I don't think the referees go out and try and like deliberately cheat or even things up. But I can't help think that he's thought, right, I've let him get away with a couple in this Doncaster game. I'm going to watch him in particular. And then when Ozturk's wiped a player out, he's thinking, right, not this time. And the red cards come out. I just don't think he gave himself any chance to think. think no. um, I think his hand was going for the red, you know, kind of before Evans hit the floor. No consultation with the, with the linesman about his view in terms of, you know, what direction the player was heading in. Um, so I think that for so me that, that, that suggests it's a preconceived thought then for, for, yeah for, for whatever reason he did not give himself any time to, to really consider to consider the direction of the ball or the direction of, that Evans was going in and it was a very very rash red card um, do you know what the um, if you watch it back from the wider angle the thing that tells you it definitely is not a red card I, I don't know if you've noticed this I think it was was it uh, Clark the defender who he came out mm-hmm. didn't he as soon as he plays that pass, he's having a go at himself. Because if you watch it back after this, because he's he's overhit the pass into a bad area, so he's like really frustrated because he's basically clean through if he plays a proper ball and he hits it. And as soon as he hits it, he's like, I can't believe I've done that. And then he gets the ball and gets taken out. So if you watch it after this, it's mm-hmm. quite funny because that's an absolute tell because if the, the player who's played the pass in doesn't think it's a goal-scoring opportunity because he's overhit the ball then they can't argue the fact that it's a goal-scoring opportunity. Mm. Like I say, and then I'm just disappointed with the reaction of the players again. And nothing you can, that could be done. I know Oz Turk sort of kicked off a bit, but it's just, I don't know, frustrates me. I still think we're a bit too nice and we're going to need to wise well, it's up been, a We've been a bit nastier in, a little, the, in the last a few bit, games. And I, I, like, I, I quite like this uh, post-match skirmish that seems to be ongoing mm. uh, with the two teams. And let's hope that uh, Portsmouth a few minutes us for over-celebrating or whatever, twisting about, you know. Just on that whole decision and that free-kick incident, I, I asked what you thought about the back four. Flanagan, I'm, I'm, I'm a little concerned with. I thought, for that, for that, I nearly, nearly say for their goal, it wasn't a goal. For the incident where Ozturk got sent off and they got a free-kick, they hit the bar direct from it, didn't they? Flanagan gets pulled out of position on that and then he tries to step in front of the defender and get spun quite easily. He's really weak on that situa- on, on that situation for me. He's out of position, he's been muscled out of it, and they've carved us open a little bit. I'm a little bit concerned. I just felt as that. though that one was, I don't think he can put it down to, it was just the whole team was out of shape, but weren't it really. Oh, he got spun. He got turned too far I know what I'm easily. saying, like the, whole, the whole thing was a mess. The whole shape was had gone. And you, when, when it, was, it, it was actually Clark who made the difference because he came out and... But you, you know, can't, the, the thing man. is, right, you can't, as a defender, you can't win every ball. And as soon as you saw Flanagan try and nip in front of him and try and win the ball, you just said, you can't win that, you can't win that. No. And you're out of position, you need to just back off him. I'm not saying and, he didn't let, make let him go. Let him go back towards goal. I'm and not saying he didn't make an error in the move. I just mean that that situation was not, it was a whole, wholly poor defensive situation from, from the team as a group. That, and then you made a bad individual decision within that moment. But, you know, I don't think that would have made too much of a difference in, on the break. But, you know, no one ever, I say this, and it'll probably happen at the weekend, but I know that, that Adam Hurry, the football cliches guy, often makes a point nobody ever scores on a break when there's like 3v1, do they? <laughs> like nobody ever scores from it. Mm. 
So, you know. Sutherland did a St. James's once. Um, so, go, going back to the to the uh, defenders and everybody just happy with that? Can't see many changes? I would just keep it the same. I wouldn't change it. I wouldn't change it. Not after a clean sheet. Mm-hmm. Uh, my only concern with Flanagan is I, I, I think generally speaking he, he defended okay the other day. My only concern is that I don't think he uses the ball brilliantly but I'm not sure there's another option who would significantly improve that to be honest. And I think that Austin and Flanagan do seem to have a decent partnership building so I, I wouldn't be disrupting it personally. Credit to Dunn for getting that little flick on the ball as well like when, it, when it hit the Especially ball. Especially when he's just come on. Just come on, mm-hmm. stuck his head there, Luke nine line on the floor. It, how, how disappointed are we this, this by the way just to go back that red card thing because we were getting on top of the point I know, there I weren't think, we I mean and we nearly scored after the after, we did know, but after, you know that, that could I mean it's been rescinded so it was wrong and that's it's a big chunk of the game that, and it's, it's a playoff and we were just starting to get on top and we could have doubled our advantage and third red card rescinded this season is that it's right a, it's yeah. a quarter of the game that we've, made, we've we've played with 10 men where we were on and like you say we were on top in that spell so, so how many points have we dropped because these incorrect red cards as well because Quite a few, I would suggest. One, well, well, two Walsall, at, two at Walsall. Walsall, we, I know we come back from 2 0 down to get a draw, but we were arguably the best we'd ever played that 20 minutes before Power got sent off down there. There's no way we weren't winning that game with 11 men. There's two points dropped straight away. Oxford, Oxford at home, it was a first half red card, so and we had that, to didn't, that didn't get overturned. Oh, was that not the one that was? No, and, they were, and they were losing at the time, so it was um, that was Power at Walsall that got rescinded, wasn't Maguire, it? Yeah. Maguire at Luton, no, that game was, was over, time, so really. and yeah. yeah, and then obviously this was the third one. But you could, I think, that, I still don't think that Oxford one was he as a red, <laughs> by the way. But if you look at that Marcus Bean one on Watmore, I think he got a second booking for that and he put him out for three months. Mm-hmm. I mean. You know, if you look on the flip side, he's never got. And then George Honeyman got sent off in the melee afterwards because all all the beef that had been stoked up on the bench. Um, yeah, I mean, the st- the stuff that happens in games this season, you know, it's, it's always going to happen over the course of. And when you play sixty games or whatever in a year, there's going to be bad stuff happening in some of them. So, um, but yeah, it, I mean, for, fortunately, it hasn't been too costly. And obviously, we won the game when. Um, you know, power got sent off at Bradford, didn't we? Mm-hmm. Um, with ten men. Um, Do you think sometimes the case of referees, uh, to a certain extent, puffing out the chest and saying, "I'm not going to be intimidated by Sunderland and this kind of big club status, and particularly at home, I'm not going to be intimidated by the crowd." Because sometimes I feel as though referees don't call it as I say it. Now, as I say, I do feel maybe it's to a certain degree the referee like kind of stamped his authority a bit excessively. Maybe. Maybe um, it's weird though because it. I would say the only referee who I felt as though was fully like that this season was Lee Probert. Funnily enough, I felt as though he ran around in that Luton game and wanted to be the the main man. Whereas others, I think it's just a general lack of just incompetence, just, right. just general incompetence. Yeah, which and it's harsh because the cliches and all that it is a difficult job, and you know the amount of abuse that these people get. You know, as the I mean, in the chosen profession, as they come up through the ranks, you know, they'll be getting all sorts. Um, so it's difficult. But it's frustrating when you see, you know, like the the, the issue, to the naked eye, you could understand why somebody might send them off. But as Phil made the point, just have have 10 seconds, have a think about it, go and speak to your linesman and just say, you know, what do you think? But yeah, I guess that's where something like VAR comes in, isn't it? Because... They'd watch it on the telly and go, actually, no. Um, 
and all those detractors who had put VAR would have corrected that and then we'd be on top in the game um, going into that last uh, you know 25 minutes with a full complement of players we're going to need a strong referee for this next game Peter Banks he's refereed Sunderland once this season anybody know what that was uh, no Portsmouth 3 Sunderland 1 oh, red card <laughs> for Glenn Lewis. it's the only time he's refereed Sunderland this season just having a look at that now great that's positive isn't it yeah it is also hold on how many red cards he's done done three red cards this season so. done three red cards <laughs> produced Did three do red, red cards. cards it's mainly championship games to be fair he's only done um, oh no he, refer- he also refereed uh, Barnsley nil Sunderland nil <laughs> so two of the games we didn't win and one of them we didn't <laughs> score in great I guess he's. He I, can't must, remember, he must be, I can't remember. The he must be a champion. Well, he must be a championship referee. He is. He's only done he, four uh, league one. The rest of the championships. I think he refereed that game for Park quite well. To be honest, I think that probably I think it was a red card. I it think was, it was a red, a red card. card. The yeah. Lugans um, one. There was some. There was some question marks about whether he'd, whether it was a deliberate um, foul because of obviously the double jeopardy rule, mm. but it was pretty pretty yeah. marginal. I said when the tackle happened at the time, I thought that's that's that. So, I thought I've from memory, I thought he refereed that reasonably well. To be honest, so probably probably not too too bad. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we'll have a look at who we think might play. I know we said we keep the back four the same. Obviously, McLaughlin goes without saying. Will the approach of Portsmouth are going to, or we think Portsmouth are going to make make a difference to team selection? Because the way, I mean, Kenny Jackett's coming out and he's saying right, it's only half time. Uh, blah blah blah. We, we've we've been down to Sunderland half time before, and one of course is different because it's um, you know the context is entirely different. But you can't help get this feeling the Portsmouth are going to come out and try to make a really quick flying start I'm not sure that's the right thing for them to do if they do that possibly I, I don't expect them to be too cavalier and I don't expect them to make any changes to their shape because Kenny Jackett's played one way for however many years he's been in management and he's been pretty <coughs> successful and I think if anything he'll double down on that now he has a decent playoff semi-final record so I, I don't think he'll be someone who'll be looking at it doubting it and saying I need to change things up I need to change our shape or structure I think it'll be quite the opposite I think it's actually I'm going to stick to Stick to what I know. That the question mark about is whether he makes a decision on on his wingers because I thought Ronan Curtis was 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 awful decision making at the weekend was absolutely appalling. He's been crap. He scored against us in the the game down he there. He was very he? he was very good in the second half mm. it, when the game opened up at Fratton Park. But since then he's been very poor every time. So I wonder if he might do what he did at Wembley in the second half, which is move Evans out wide and if Pittman's fit, bring him back. But they're not going to change their their general shape or their style. It could of play be down the, this. This is going to be down to the players' discipline them because they are clearly wound up. And yet, was it Evans or was it the defenders come out and said we're going to batter them at, at front Evans, and, yeah. and stuff like Evans, that? Yeah. And the thing is, so if you're seeing Kenny Jackett, you know, by nature is quite conservative, and it is absolutely the correct thing to do from their point of view to not go gun ho I think that that's a nightmare for them they need to just approach the game and try and ease it and see if they can get the nose in front firstly but it's going to come down to the players because if they have you know you, you can have all the instructions the manager gives you but if you've got in your head I want to get one over on these you, you can you can you, run around like a madman you've got you? you've got to be good enough to batter us I mean it's, it's all very well coming out and saying it but the evidence suggests in the, the last three occasions have played them even in the checker trade final it wasn't exactly like we were getting roasted by them I mean I thought we were going to say that second yes, half out I know, at Wembley. Know, fine, you, you know, if that, if you're confident and that's what you want to do, great, come out. But we'll enjoy that if they come out at us, because we, you know, we've got good players for picking up the second balls in 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 the, the way we set up the two centre midfielders. 
in front of that back line because they'll just you know nick up nick nick the the ball away the setting balls and then it's it's then using that ball you know who's available and then getting on the break getting on the front foot and pushing them back because they'll soon get nervous if we get in a couple of times if they want to come flying out that's fine but i fancy us i fancy us to score in the game and psychologically that means they have to score three in 90 minutes to win it so you know it's I think we've got that that one goal gives us a good advantage and what I've seen again I always say you know we're not Jesus or whatever so you know what we say there's no such thing as jinxing <laughs> but you know um, you, you, I don't fancy them to batter us I don't fancy them to you know score four or five goals against us um, you know they might score twice in in, in normal time but they're going to have to be more open. They've they've played so negatively. I would argue in the games, people are saying we are negative. I mean, the last two games we played them against at the stadium, ridiculously negative. I thought, they've, especially in the the one all draw when they had to win the game, they had a chance to get automatically promoted, and they just didn't. It was like they just. I just think we didn't let them. Maybe not, but mm. where was the desire or the intensity, and you know that, you know they they, they just lacked. Something. I think the reaction at the end of that game was very weird as well. Yeah, like they went up with the fans. Yeah, and like, yeah. It's like, well, you've just taken automatic promotion out of your hands. Definitely. And I you're think going up with the fans like, like you've won. You've, like you've, it's a great result. It's like it was a bad result. And the way the fans reacted as well, it was almost as if they supported like Wigan Wanderers or somebody like that for like a so-called mm. massive club like Portsmouth to go on like that. And fair enough, a point to say it makes a decent result in isolation, but like you say, given the context, mm. it was almost as though they were more bothered about stopping Sunderland winning than their own club's ambition, which I just thought was very strange. Mm. But that's reflective of many of the teams I think we've played this season. Mm-hmm. There's nearly a, a full week, of course, there's five days between, so um, we don't think he's going to freshen it up too much further. Have you, you've spoken to Jack Ross today, yeah? Yeah. yeah. What, update on Adam McGeady? Uh, pretty much the same as it was the other day they'll just have to wait and see whether this injection works he did train today which would suggest that he wasn't in too much pain mm. but I think it'll just be a case of on the on the day whether this injection works or not ok because I think Chris Maguire's inclusion depends on that I think if he had a McGeady starts Chris Maguire doesn't start personally I think he just feels like I, I, I think that Ross will Ross will be a little bit cautious and he'll f- feel I just need one sort of star player at the moment who we can give the ball to and everybody else is going to be about working hard off the ball initially. Anybody agree with that? I'd, I'd play them both if they're available. I probably would as well, but I don't think Jack Ross will. I think I think they'll, I think they'll both start they if they're are. available. Yeah, I think so. Interesting. And Mo, I think Morgan would probably drop to the bench and that's not a bad thing. So he push Maguire on, out or Honeyman out? Honeyman finished the game I would, out, I, I wouldn't be surprised if, if Maguire played a bit more kind of wide or withdrawn in this game. Generally speaking, it's been a bit skewed recently because they haven't played amazingly well away from home. But generally speaking, away from away from home, they've actually been a bit more fluid than they have been at home. At home, they tend to have quite set patterns of play yeah. and they're quite rigid in their structure. Away from home, he tends to like his forwards to be a little bit more fluid, to be honest, and they switch wings a bit more and they drift into spaces a bit more. So I wouldn't be surprised if he picks McGeady or Maguire just because he feels that they're two players who, on the counter, can, can get in good areas and, and pick up intelligent spaces where they can drive the counter on who would drop out I'm not entirely sure but I, I, I do get the impression that he might he might he might go with Maguire even whether McGeady's fit or not I mean I would love that I'd be surprised Mick yeah I think playing both of them like Phil said there it will keep Portsmouth extremely honest and if they do try and 
be gung-ho to a certain extent in the first 10 minutes. And I think that you've got two fantastic out balls there. Well, three, really, because you've got White to hit, you've got Maguire to hit, and you've got McGeady to hit. All of which are capable of producing moments that can create goal-scoring opportunities. And I think if you're a Portsmouth player and you see them three guys on the team sheet, they might dictate how they approach the game as well. And we can bring on, you know, we can bring on Morgan, we could bring on Gooch, we could bring on Watmore, we could bring on Grigg. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not going. It's going to be a relentless task for them because as soon as when the game gets stretched, if they haven't scored, or we we get one, you know, the if we score first, it'll open right up, and I wouldn't be surprised if we got a few. Um, Big statement. Big statement. I just think it. I just think the desperate the desperation. You know, because they can't. They can't. They can't have a spell in the game where. You know they can only settle it for so long. They can only settle it for ten minutes. Say we score, they they can only really give it ten fifteen minutes to to calm themselves down and then go again, because it's the neatest. As I say, the need to score two or three times in the game. So it just feels off. Well, we get one, and then the second half we've got right. We'll bring what one on then. We'll bring Gooch on then. We'll bring we'll bring Morgan on and. I'd be surprised to say what more at all. I know. I just think from what he said today, I get the feeling he'll put him on the bench. But he's not played at all. And when you've got people like Gooch and Morgan, who I are mean, who are match no, sharp, for, ten, and who for, are for match twenty, fit. for stick them on for twenty minutes again to stretch them in that situation. For, Look, remember the Norwich game at, uh, you know, the that three, the three nil at Norwich, and he came on and. Yeah, but it wasn't. No, but he'd been playing. Yeah, no? he had, but I'm saying it. Concept the same. I mean, oh, yeah, the idea well. of that is because of him as a player and the way he is. I totally agree with. I just think he's done. He's had no football whatsoever. Not only that, I think the equaliser at Wickham aside, I think he was very poor yeah. or patchy before he um, actually received that injury again. So I think it would be a a bit silly, really, a bit too risky to throw him in at any point um, in the game on Thursday. I agree um, with what you were saying about how we've got options such as Morgan and Gooch mm. who are a bit more suited to the game of it. It's stretched. Catamol's going to play, we know. Anybody tempted to bring power up the side and put somebody like Ledbit Ron McGeoch in, who is maybe better with the ball in, in terms of retaining it under under severe pressure? Uh, not, not really, to be honest. I think Max has been worthy of his place, to be honest. I think he's played well for, for a little while, and I think I think him and Catamol have got a really good partnership. I like seeing Ledbit in the team, because like you say, he has got that control of possession but I think you'll I think you'll need power he'll probably get forward a little bit more probably a little bit more combative in midfield and someone who can probably you know I think he's more capable of lead better of either dropping deeper to deal with the long balls or getting forward a bit to press I think he just brings a little bit more flexibility um, so and I think to be fair I think it would be harsh to take him out because I think mm. his levels have been pretty consistent now for, yeah. for kind of four or five weeks I thought he was very good off the ball on the Saturday power you know, he didn't. I wouldn't say he had his best game on the ball, but off the ball, you know, he did. There was a lot of stuff going on off the ball. You know, in, especially in that first half, and that con- that concentrate the concentration levels, and, and from Portsmouth as well. Um, so I mean, that's why I kind of fancy us on Thursday, just because you, they're just going to have to. I feel as though Portsmouth are going to have to played. They've had to play it and nullify us a little bit in, in, the, in the last few occasions we've played them and they can't do that this time. And there's a reason why they would have played the way they played against us in the last few occasions. And it's like they don't fancy themselves. It's like they haven't really got that belief. It's all right, very well players coming out and saying, oh, we're going to go and do this and it's going to be this atmosphere and we're going to go and smash them. 
well, if, if that's if that's the case, why didn't you do it in the last two times we played you? Because you you don't you haven't got the belief that you can do it. So I would certainly be tempted to bring Ledbetter in for power simply because I think ball retention, as I've said a few times, I think is going to be so so crucial on Thursday. No matter how the game goes, if we're on top, I would like to see us have a controlled performance where we kind of have a bit more of the ball and try and frustrate their crowd because. I think it will be hostile, but we've seen at the stadium, I like that and go both ways. If it goes 20, 30 minutes without a goal, they'll get restless and maybe turn on the players a bit. And I just think that Ledbetter gives you that bit more control in the game. And if we're under the cosh, then I think he always wants to receive the ball off the centre-halves. And I just think, as I say, I think Ledbetter, it, as harsh as it would be on power, I'd be tempted to bring him in just to give us that bit control. I'd worry we'd drop too deep if that was going to happen. What if Ledbetter played? Yeah, yeah that's, that's, that's kind of my instinct as well. I think... Although obviously Power's not an attacking midfielder, I think he's a lot better at Ledbetter in, tank, in terms of getting up in support of the forward players and making those kind of runs in beyond in the channel, which could be really important. What you don't want is someone getting into a mentality where they're letting the game happen in front of them all the time. Um, and I, I think Power just brings quite a quite a nice balance. And Catamol has been really good recently in terms of just withdrawing a little bit and just controlling it getting about in midfield, picking passes. Um, I think that's a partnership that at the moment is working really well. Mm. And it's harsh on Ledbetter because there's no doubt he's got quality to be in the starting eleven and play well. But at the moment, it's just a combination that seems to be working quite nicely. Mm. So there's not really loads of decisions to be made, we think, because so, we know Wyke's going to start as well. Um, so a lot of it depends on McGeady's fitness. So let's say McGeady plays, and you said you want Maguire to play everybody, yeah? So who who's the last one then? If Maguire plays wide, then Honeyman plays through the middle, basically, I would say. I think you need his energy away from home. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah, so Gooch would harshly drop to yeah. the bench. And, but, you know, Gooch, to be fair, and he's admitted it themselves this week, hasn't been great. So he's had one good game in about six months. I mean, so it would be harsh to drop him on the back of his one good game in six months. But... You know, no, no, you need put your full, your strongest team out, don't you? Yeah. So that seems logical. So let's say McGeady doesn't play, then we want Maguire in. Gooch for Maguire again. No, we've already done that, haven't yeah, we? Yeah, Maguire for right. Gooch. Sorry, McGeady for <laughs> let's say McGeady does play then. Honeyman through the middle, and power and and. Uh, I've I forgot which conversation mind. we've just had there. Well, I think that it doesn't matter. The team picks itself. Just say it that. doesn't. Well, it doesn't. Just say does that. that. Just yeah. say that. Because two need to come out if McGee. Oh, that's sorry. That's it. Yeah. We've so McGee's yeah. fit. Yeah. We've done it. So Gooch has come out, and McGo- Morgan's come out, and then McGee and McGuire have come in. There right, you go. Okay. Sorted. There you go. Text Jack now and tell him <laughs> we've done it. Sorry, saying lol, made a mistake. Soz. Mm. Just text that, and then text him the proper team. Where are people watching the game? I know. Obviously, you'll be there, Phil. The rest. Where are we going? Pubbing. Oh. I'm in Spain. Is it Spain for the weekend? Oh, you actually are in Spain. I am in Spain. That's not even for for streaming purposes. No, I'm I'm on a a stack there in Spain. So that's going to be... There are loads of Sunderland fans, like massive lads fans, so that'll be quite good. Don't do a reaction pod (laughs) at the end of it. No. Would be my advice. I'll send it to you to chop down. It's fine. (laughs) Don't worry about it. I think I'm watching it in the harbour with the boy Keelan after his audacious attempts to Gosh. get to Portsmouth. He had a good go. Can we, can we well, tell I, people? I, I, well, I don't think he really had a good go. I think he had an idea that he didn't execute. <laughs> Sorry, Matthew. Do you want to share what, what that was? 
Oh. Matthew, well, everyone knows Matthew's an idiot um, if you listen to the show, and he decided that um, he was going to try and go to Portsmouth, um, but he hasn't got any holidays, and he's got to be at work because he's got nobody to cover. He's not oh. allowed to take any um, unpaid annual leave, so his plan was to And finish, he's got no money. And he's got no money, so his plan was to fly from Portsmouth, so he's from Newcastle to Portsmouth after work on Thursday, go to the game, and then stay over, and then in the morning get a flight back from Portsmouth to Newcastle to get home in time for work. The flights were, I believe, at the time... 386 quid they've now gone up to 450 quid i think um but he was planning to a bake sale a at bake work. sale at work in which he was selling a millionaire shortbread for nine pounds <laughs> so i don't think the cakes were made in the end i think his um wife rightly <laughs> told him to grow up act you know, your age matthew your i think age, was, matthew, the quote. It was the quote so yeah i think his uncle actually offered to pay for his um flight um this but must be nice he turned it down though so that which was uh you know, I think it was, you know, pipe dream, really. How confident are we? Come on, let's go around the table to just to finish off and get predict. I don't want to get predictions. I don't. I don't feel like we should get. No, go on. We'll do that. If we score, if we well. score first, I think we'll win the game, two or three nil. Mm, confident, confident. Um, I think they'll. I think it'll be a one-one draw. I think two-two draw. I said 2 0 on the reaction pod, but that was um, what to do with some fluids I'd taken on board <laughs> before participating in the said podcast. But so I'm going to double down the 2 0 Sunderland <laughs> because, um, yeah, I just I agree with Gareth's kind of rationale there. You talk yourself out of it and then talk yourself back into it there in well, the space I mean, of over 30 seconds. Yeah, I mean, I'm a very decisive guy, as you probably picked up there. <laughs> um, but no, I, I just feel that um, Portsmouth are going to come out with us a little bit um, too much, and I feel as if we've got enough to catch them on the break and get a relatively early goal. And then I think, yeah, we'll be able to see you through. And the excitement will be back, and everyone will be back down Wembley. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. I got the fe- I I do get the feeling. I do, right. We'll, we'll talk about that if we go through. We talk about what might happen. <laughs> so we'll just see what happens. So hope you all enjoy the game for obvious reasons on Thursday night. We hope this isn't the penultimate show of the season. Mm. Yeah, we do. We hope there's two more after this. Definitely. Thanks for listening.